Now, today I'm going to look at um, Matthew chapter 28, 16 to 20 onwards, and Matthew, Mark 16, 15 to 18 onwards. Matthew chapter 28. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountains, which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Now if you keep your finger there and turn to Mark 16. Verse 14. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So, in both the cases in Matthew and Mark, Matthew 28 and Mark 16, there's one thing that's very clear. That there were a bunch of people amongst the disciples that did not believe. Now, Matthew 28 makes it sure that we understand which disciples were there. He's not talking about many of the disciples from the multitudes of disciples. He's talking about the eleven. Of course, he's not talking about twelve because the twelfth was dead. But he's talking about the eleven disciples. And he says, the eleven were there. Jesus went with them to the mountain where he had appointed them. When they saw him, they worshipped. Who worshipped? The eleven. And out of them, some doubted. Out of the eleven. Now that's Matthew, Peter, John, James, and the whole bunch of them. Philip, Andrew, all of them. Out of these so-called leaders of the early church, Eleven of them, some doubted. Wow. And they doubted in spite of him really rising from the dead. Okay. Next verse. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying... All authority. Can you say all? So what does all authority mean? What does that mean? What does Jesus not have authority over? What does Jesus not have authority over? Any answers? Does Jesus not have authority over anything? <clears throat> now you've got to understand the fact that he says all authority does not mean he says all control. See, all control and all authority are two different things. Do you understand? S see, I can, I can control my wife. Okay. But I also have authority over my wife. But I can say I'm controlling Kiran, though he's not my wife. 
neither do I have authority over. So I can control somebody over whom I may not have authority over. Do you understand? Control and authority are two different things. So when Jesus says, all authority have been, has been given unto me, stop thinking him saying, all control has been given unto me, in the sense of, yes, he can control if he wants, because of the fact that he's got authority. But authority does not mean he's controlling, because we've got this idea that everything that happens in my life is because of Jesus. Right? We, we call it the sovereignty of God. That everything that is happening in my life is because of Jesus. Every single thing. So if I've got a plan and the plan doesn't succeed, I say, anyways, God's plans are better than mine. And, and everything, we say God is in control. Right? God is in control. Even the song. Right? Why? Because we feel that God has got authority, so God controls. Well, that's not true. Listen, if that's true, then God even controls Satan. Because he's got all authority over him. But he doesn't control him. He doesn't control you. Control is not from God. Domination is not from God. Dominion is, but not domination. God doesn't dominate you. Domination is of the devil. But here's Jesus. He says, all authority. That means, he has got all authority over everything in heaven and on earth. All authority over everything. That means he can call the shots about anything in this world. Right? Anything. What do you think about the government? Do you think he's got authority over the government? Do you think he's got authority over the mountains? Do you think he's got authority over the volcanoes? Do you think he's got authority over the seas? Do you think he's got authority over earthquakes? But does it mean that he caused the earthquake? See, listen, I can have authority over something but not control it. And there's too many people that are preaching today. Too many people that are preaching today that the tsunamis that took place in so-and-so place, the earthquakes that took place in so-and-so place, the volcanoes that took place in so-and-so place happened because God brought it about. God's got his master plan. We can't explain everything. We don't have answers to everything. Let's just stop this gibberish because that's not true. God has got authority and Jesus has authority. But that does not mean that he causes disasters to happen. There's only one who is an enemy. Who comes to steal, kill and destroy. And that's the devil. And he is out to destroy. And cause loss to life. And steal. Only he. Not Jesus. So if there has been a disaster that has taken place in your life in the past. If there has been a disaster, Joshua. If there has been a disaster that has taken place in the past. If there has been an accident that has taken place in the past, if there have been things that have happened that have not been so nice taking place in the past, then I am telling you, please, for God's sake, don't blame God for it because He is not to blame. Because the Word of God says that God has plans for your welfare, not for your destruction, to give you a future full of hope. Listen, the real devil is the enemy. Not God. The word devil means adversary. So let's not try to look to God as the adversary. He's not. He's not your adversary. The devil is. 
Satan is, not God. So if Satan is your adversary, who should you be fighting? Who should you be fighting? We're going to start a series of talks on how to hear the voice of God. But to understand it, this basic introduction to it is very, very important. We've done this before, but I'm doing this very carefully because of certain things that have happened. People have understood things wrongly and stuff like that. So I need you to get this straight. And these are some of the foundations that you've got to get straight. If you're not going to understand that God's on your team, that God wants your best, and you try to hear the voice of God, what you will hear will be your imagination or the devil himself. Mostly the devil. Do you understand? Because God wants your best. Can you say that with me? God wants my best. Okay. Can you say that again? God wants my best. Can you say that again? God wants my best. Okay. It's a good thing that you keep saying it. Say it. Say it. Okay. Great. Verse 19. Go therefore. Make disciples of all nations. So, are you supposed to make disciples only of third world countries? No, you're supposed to make disciples of all nations. Are you going to think disciples means Africa alone? Disciples means all? Okay. Baptizing them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a second. Baptizing them, immersing them in water, as a commitment to God, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. What does in the name of mean? What does in the name of mean? In place of? Instead of? Correct? Instead of? Do you agree? So if I come, I come on Lorraine's behalf and say, and say to the judge, uh, I've come on behalf of Lorraine, I've got something called the power of attorney. Okay, so I've got the power of attorney. And so I can execute deeds and wills and statements and affidavits on her behalf. So if I do anything, I've got to do it responsibly, responsibly because whatever, whatever, she's, whatever she can do, I can do if I've got the power of attorney, right? If she can sell, I can sell on her behalf. If she can lend, I can lend on her behalf. If she can take a loan, I can take a loan on her behalf. Now, how much authority she's got, I have. Right? Right? So if she's the if she's the CEO of a big company, she'll have to be very careful before giving me the power of attorney. Right? If she's the president of a nation, she'll have to be even more careful before giving anybody the power of attorney, right? Because more the authority she has, more the authority I get if I have her power of attorney. Right? So that's what the whole deal is, right? 
Now, if I say in the name of Jesus, what does in the name of Jesus mean? Is it a formula? Is it, what is it? It means I'm standing in his place. I'm standing in his place. I'm standing in his stead. Right? Instead of Jesus. So, when I say be healed in the name of Jesus, I'm saying, I'm speaking to this disease like Jesus was standing there. And I'm saying to it like Jesus is saying to it, be healed. Right? That's, that's basically what I'm saying. Okay. Now here's what the whole deal is. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means, as a disciple, when you bring somebody to Christ, and you make them a disciple, and you commit their lives, and you lead them to commit their lives, and you baptize them, you're standing in the place of God and doing it on behalf of God. Do you get this? When, I, when, I'm, when I'm baptizing somebody, it's not just me saying I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as a formula. It's I'm doing it on behalf of the one true, living, holy, triune God. I'm doing it on His behalf. Listen, I immerse you into Christ and I baptize you. You are dead in Christ. You are now alive to new life. Do you understand? God tells us to go on his behalf and do it. God tells us to go in his stead and do it. That's why the whole old formula in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit doesn't really make any sense. You know why? Because in the name of means, in place of. Listen, if I'm standing in place of someone and asking God... For something, I am an ambassador. I am an ambassador. And that's exactly what scripture says we are. We are ambassadors. Amen? Let's move on. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Now what has he commanded? Give to whoever asks of you love. Love everyone. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Raise the dead. That's what he's commanded. And he says... Teach them to observe all those things that I have commanded you. See, listen, it doesn't end here. Listen, he says, I commanded you go heal the sick, raise the dead. Now you teach them to do the same. So they are disciples who have been taught to do what they were taught. Do you understand? So, so this is how it is. The first disciples were taught that they should love one another as he has loved them. To love one another, do unto others as you want others to do unto you. To give to whoever asks of you. To love your enemies. To go and heal the sick. To go and raise the dead. To go and cast out demons. And then they were also taught that they should teach other people to do the same. And then these people now, the second line of disciples, are taught to go and heal the sick. Raise the dead. Love one another. Love your enemies. Give to whoever asks of you. And teach other people to go and do the same. And they are also taught to go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons and teach other people to do the same. And that's the way it just went on. Right? So you were asked. This is a commission from God. This is not a commission from man. This is a commission from God. God commands you to go and observe all that he taught the first disciples. 
to go and do all that he has told the first disciples to do and what did he tell them to do go and heal the sick cast out demons raise the dead go and preach the gospel of the kingdom set the oppressed free give to all who asks of you if there is any need go and meet it feed the hungry do all that i have commanded you to do that's what he told them right that's what we are asked to go and do because that's what he taught them to do and he taught them to teach others to do the same and so we are supposed to not only do it teach others to do the same that's what we are doing here it's it's a standing instruction that has to be followed till christ comes again it's a standing instruction like you've got a standing instruction in a bank please every month transfer so and so amount to so and so account every month that's a standing instruction you've got a standing instruction if you don't follow it you're disobedient teaching them to observe all things that i have commanded you and lo i'm with you always even to the end of the age i am with you till the end of the age okay i want you to turn to mark 16 now verse 15 go into all the world preach the gospel to every creature He who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned and these signs will follow those who believe in my name they will in my name they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly it will by no means hurt them they will lay their hands on the sick and the sick will that's what you're commanded to do right okay but first before we really get about doing this work there are a few misconceptions that we've got to clear up okay and one of the most common misconceptions is to do with the hearing of the voice of god and it is to do with something <sighs> called rema and logos one of the most dangerous teachings that has been out there is something to do with rema and logos and the teaching has been this okay correct me if i'm wrong but this is what you've been taught this is what you have heard okay you have been taught that logos is the written word of god yes or no and jesus come as the written word of god jesus as the word of god made flesh right that's what you were taught that logos is and you have also been taught that lemma is that word that is revealed to you by the spirit of god at that particular moment right at a particular situation that's the word the spirit of god will reveal a word to you that is rema and logos is the whole written word of god that's what we've been taught right yes as what many of us have heard we've heard all these guys preach it okay that is one of the most dangerous doctrines that has led to the destruction of many many lives one of the most dangerous doctrines that has ever been preached because by the verses that i'm going to show you right now you will be shocked to know that rema and logos 
both mean the same. They both mean the same. I want you to turn to Romans 8.14. And behind all this Rema and Logos, behind all this Rema and Logos is this being led by the Spirit. Right? So we say, okay, fine. If I need to be led by the Spirit, I get a rhema from the Spirit. If I get a rhema from the Spirit, I go and do it. If I don't get a rhema, I don't do it. Right? When I get a rhema, I do it. When I don't get a rhema, I don't do it. If I get a rhema, I do it. If I don't get a rhema, I don't do it. That's what we've been taught. Okay, turn to Romans 8. Okay, 8.14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, right? Now that's the, that's the one that we've been taught. That's what we've been taught to listen to. That's what we've been taught to hear and understand and learn. That as many as are led by the, by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, right? So if you want to be a son, you've got to be led. If you've got to be led, you need to listen to the Rema. And if you can listen to the Rema and you get a Rema, then you can go and do something, right? If you don't get a rema, it probably means that uh, you've got to get holier or you've got to get more anointed. Um, uh, you're not gifted enough. That's what it comes down to. Right? That's what we've been taught. That's what people have been taught. That's what pastors, preachers have been teaching day in and day out. Right? That's what gives many of the pastors and many of the preachers this sense, this aura of I'm a man of the cloth. I'm a pastor. I've been in ministry for so many years. Because you know what? I've heard the rema for so many years. Right? Okay. So 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. But listen. If you've got to understand Romans 8.14, you've got to understand Romans 8 entirely. Romans 8 says, the whole of Romans 8 says, that those who walk according to the flesh, these are fleshly people. Those who walk according to the spirit, these are spiritual. Walking according to the flesh is carnal. Being carnal is an enmity with God. Being spiritual is walking according to God. And then he explains and he says, if you read the whole of Romans 8, he says, if you are doing something fleshly and you stop doing it and you turn away from it, that is actually the Spirit of God leading you to do it. Now that's really when you are led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God leads you to put your flesh to death. That's what the Spirit of God leads you to. Do you understand? So when you are watching, if, if somehow you've fallen and you're watching something not okay, if you're watching something vulgar, if you're watching pornography, and then you suddenly decide, oh no, this, this is wrong, this is wrong. I just put it off, I just turn it off. That is the Spirit of God leading you to do it. You know the problem is, because we believe that being led by the Spirit of God is something that comes to us like a voice, is something that comes to us like a voice. We are waiting for that voice. 
and we are waiting for the Lord to work and we don't understand how the Lord works. We are still operating under the old covenant waiting for a voice to drop from heaven when the Spirit of God lives in you and actually comes and speaks from within you. And so when you hear yourself really telling yourself, you hearing yourself, telling yourself to stop something that's against the word of God, it is really the spirit of God leading you, through you, in you, to stop doing what the word of God says. You've you've got to get this if you really need to hear the voice of God. It's not like the Old Covenant. It's not like the Old Testament where people would hear the voice of God from heaven, drop from heaven. No, 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 no. You are in a new covenant. The Word of God says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. One spirit with the Lord. That means your spirit is united with the Spirit of God. Your spirit is united with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is in you. Your body is the temple. So the Spirit of God will lead you from within. He's not going to lead you like a dog on a leash. That's the idea that we have. That God is holding the leash and we are like these dogs that are being led. But that's not how he leads us. He leads us from within and gives us the freedom to decide to follow it or not. We've got to understand this. So when he says being led by the Spirit of God, he's not talking about being led by the Spirit of God to do something fantastic. He's talking about being led by the Spirit of God to put your flesh to death. Look at what it says in Romans 8.12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not according to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the Spirit, and you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Do you understand? It's very, very clear. It says, if you live by the Spirit to put the deeds of, de- of, of your flesh to death, you live. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. Being led by the Spirit of God means you putting the deeds of the flesh to death. So whenever you put the deeds of your flesh to death, you're being led by the Spirit of God. When you are not led, when you are led to put the deeds of the spirit or deeds of the flesh to death and you don't do it you are not following the leading of the lord but because you are a son you are always led but whether you follow the leading or not is up to you and so the spirit of god leads you by unctioning you by pushing you to tell you These are the deeds of the flesh. Stop it. Stop it. This. Stop it. This is amounting to gossip. Stop it right now. This is amounting to vulgar talk. Stop it right now. This is amounting to some not not so nice video. Stop it right now. This is amounting to, to, to something else. This is amounting to anger. This is amounting to rage. Stop it right now. And you get this. You get this unctioning from within you. And that what you get. If you have received the spirit of God. Is the spirit of God. Joined to your spirit. Telling you to stop. Do you understand? That's what the whole deal is. It's not, it's not some fluttery dove that just comes and sits on your shoulder and then says, come on, pecks you on one side and says, there, go there. And you just go there. 
and then pecks you on the other side and says, there, go there, and you go there, there. No, 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 no. It's, it's not some strange voice that you hear so that, because, oh, you've got to hear the voice of the Lord, because if you don't, I can't hear the voice of the Lord. Okay, you can't hear, that's because you're not used to it, right? You've got to understand, you've got to know what God sounds like. I know this stuff because we preach this stuff. We've talked this stuff. We've got to understand that this is not right. Listen, this, you want to be led by the Spirit of God, do the Bible. You do the Bible, you're, you're, you're following the Spirit of God. You're following His leading. When you do the Bible, you're walking in the leading of the Spirit of God. So it's not about some strange voice that you hear. So, like I've heard people say, um, so, can you pray for me? Please, because I'm not feeling too well. And the person will say, let me just check and ask the Lord if I can pray for you. And then the Spirit of God apparently tells them, don't pray for such and such. Don't pray for this person. I don't know. The Lord is telling me not to pray. I'm sorry. But wait a minute. Doesn't the Word of God command you to do it? The problem is we've not kept this as a center. And we felt that this is there. But you can't know everything, right? So, the Spirit of God reveals certain things when you have to do it. Now, when Jesus says, give to whoever asks of you, it doesn't really mean give to whoever asks of you, because he also says, be led by the Spirit of God. So then, if he says, give, give to whoever asks of you, it means when he leads you, then you give to whoever asks of you. So, if there's a person who comes and asks you for money, but you're not feeling led to give money, don't give. That's what we are taught, right? But isn't that a silly excuse to sin? When I, when I realized this, it changed my, it, it changed my outlook. It changed my, my eyes. Changed. Okay? I started looking at life under less pressure. Because then you don't have to think, think and say, okay, well, was it the Lord that I had really? Was it the Lord? Was it the Lord? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Was it the Lord? Was it the Lord? Was it the Lord? Was it the Lord? You have no idea what pressure that is. Absolutely no idea. But when I know that this is the Lord, this Bible is the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, if I follow what the word says, I'm following God. There's no my page too. There's no there's no there's no discussion. There's no discussion about uh, did you hear right? Maybe you didn't hear right. Yeah, but it says give to whoever asks of you there. It says love your enemies, but you know, maybe you're not feeling well right now because you went to so and so place or you met so and so person. Right? You shouldn't have met so-and-so person. Something evil came to you from there. Right? Some demon jumped on you from there. Right? That's what happened, right? This is the problem. This is the problem. We are walking in lies.
this is what we need to change. Now, but what about Rema and Logos? Obviously, there's a word Rema that is in the Bible, and there is also a word Logos that is in the Bible. So, so what about that? Listen, Amit, whatever you're saying is fine, but it does say Rema and Logos there. And I say, yes, it does say. So let's turn to Romans 10, 17. Famous verse, right? That's what they always quote. Okay. 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And that word, word is Rama. Ahmed, what are you trying to say? If you are saying that you, that the so-called special leading is not there as such. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's no special leading from the Lord. You understand? Because... If I've got a choice to make, for example, like I'm running a business, for example, okay? And I've got to choose between two clients. And I, I can choose one of the two. And both are willing to give me contracts. And I can choose between one of the two. Now, that's not really there in the Bible, who to choose, right? So then when I ask the Lord, the Lord will give me a special leading to choose one or the other, right? Because he's got all wisdom and authority. So... He will tell me whom to choose, correct? That's, that's a special leading, fine. But if you have not been doing the Bible and following what the Bible has been teaching you, what you hear will be a biased voice. Do you understand? What you hear will be an obscured, distorted voice of God. So I'm not saying there's no special revelation from God. I'm not saying there's no special leading from God. But what I'm trying to say is if you're not doing this, then the so-called special leading is a distorted version of who God is. Okay? And as far as what is already mentioned in the word, there's no special leading. Listen, when the word is written, the word is written. It's forever settled in the heavens. There's no argument with that. What it says, it says, and that's that. It ends there. Right? That's what the whole deal is. As far as things not mentioned in the word, like... Um, should I go to exercise today or not? Should I, um, should I call up my friend or not? That's your choice. Should I ask the Lord whether I should call up? Yes, you can if you want to get a, a good, wise answer. But if you don't ask the Lord, it does not mean that, that a devil will jump into your t-shirt because you have not asked God. Because nothing shall by any means harm you. See, as far as the word is concerned, there's no argument. You have been given... The problem is we are not... Satan has tricked us into understanding that there is no self-control. But the fruit of the Spirit of God is self-control. He wants you to be in charge of your life and trusts you that you will be in charge of your life and you will lead it like he wants it to be led. God wants you to be self-governing. He wants to give it into your hands. And we have got this idea that I have to surrender the self-governance and give it to God and God has to govern me. Yes, God has to govern me. But he has already governed me in his word. And it's up to me. Now, he's given it in my hands. He's given the reins of my life in my hands. Now listen to this one. 
So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And everyone will tell you, listen, if you want to build faith, you've got to try and listen to the voice of God. If you try and listen to the voice of God, you will hear the rama. And then you have to open the Bible and you close the Bible and say, Lord, show me which word. Okay. There you go. Matthew 27, verse 10. Do not be afraid. <sighs> go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Do not be afraid. That's the rhema for me. The more I do this, the more I'm going to build my faith. Now, don't get me wrong again. Is God not going to reveal verses to you? No, he does. Because the word of God says that the spirit of God brings to remembrance the words of Jesus, right? He brings to remembrance the words. So it's not like the word of God. It's not like the Lord will never bring to mind some verses. But the reason he can bring to your mind verses is because you have faith. The reason he can give special revelations is because you have faith. But we are being taught we need special revelations so that we can have faith. And that's the problem. And so we are in this vicious cycle where we are trying to get special revelation from the Lord. But to get that we need faith. And so we say, okay, fine, we get faith by getting special revelation from the Lord. But to get that we need faith, oh, we need faith, so we need special revelation from the Lord. And most of us are lost in the rut. But only pastors, because nobody questions them, you see. Say, we've got special revelation. So this is what God is telling me to do. And if you've got a word prophet or an apostle before your name, you can't argue with the guy. That's the problem. Right? Sorry? Huh? That's final. That's final. Yeah, right. Another word, another word. Okay, so, is Romans 10, 17 really saying Rema? Yes, it's saying Rema, but we'll understand what's the meaning of the word Rema. Okay. Let's go to Ephesians 6, 17. Again, am I saying... The Lord will not open up words from the Bible to you. No, He will. He can. He can bring to remembrance a lot from the Bible. You have the mind of Christ and even verses that you've never heard before. Maybe the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. But listen, the reason you have that sort of a relationship is because you have faith. Not because you don't have faith. And so if you're saying I need to depend on that to increase my faith, I'm getting something wrong here. Right? Okay, Ephesians 6, 17. The whole armor of God, oh man. So I still know Christians who will stand up every morning and say, I take the belt of truth, I put the breastplate of righteousness, and then go to their colleague James in office and tell them a lie. Wait a minute, really? Let's say, I put the belt of truth. I put the breastplate of righteousness. I shod my feet with the preparation of zeal of the gospel. I take the shield of faith. I put the helmet of salvation. And I take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then I take that Bible, I hold it with me, and I go. I go to work. 
And then the guy James says, have you finished the work? No, yesterday was my grandfather's funeral. That was a lie. But you said you put the belt of truth? Listen, putting the belt of truth is not just saying something in a fictional belt coming around you. Putting the belt of truth means that you take care that you don't do any lies, you only speak truth. As long as you speak truth. Listen, the soldiers in the times of Paul used to wear tunics. These tunics were long robes. Okay? I don't know whether any of you have been altar boys, but I've been an altar boy. <laughs> and you would have a long tunic, okay? And then, this long tunic, you had to kind of gird up, because if you tried walking around with that long tunic, you couldn't walk. You could stumble, right? So, now it comes time for work, to go for so-called Catholic Mass, so then I would take up, gird up that tunic, and tie a belt around you. That's basically what he's talking about when he says belt of truth. Now that belt that we used to tie as altar boys were basically cords. But the belt that the soldiers would tie were a leather belt that had sheets of, uh, like strips of leather all around them. So they would really protect them. Okay. And also gird up their tunic. So if they had a belt and they were running, they could run faster. If they didn't have a belt and ran... They could not run. They would stumble and fall. So when, when you say I put on the belt of truth, what I'm really, 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 really saying is, so, so when it says in Ephesians 6, I put on the belt of truth, it's not a fictional belt that I put on. It's me saying, I will not tell any lies. Because if I only speak truth and don't tell any lies, that's going to make my movement faster. If I tell lies, I'm going to get caught up. So stop saying, I put on the armor of God. I put on the belt of truth and then go to, go to lie to one of your neighbors. Because then you've just unlocked your belt. Okay? The belt of truth is not some fictional belt, some miraculous belt that you put on. The belt of truth is you not speaking lies. The breastplate of righteousness is not some miraculous breastplate that comes on you. The breastplate of righteousness is you understanding that you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ upon you. You've got as much right standing with Jesus or with the Father as Jesus had with the Father. The shield of faith is you really having faith. So don't imagine some shield. You've got to have faith. And the sword of the Spirit... That's where we get interesting. So then they say, so then they say that the sword of the spirit, this is what the preachers will tell you, okay? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and they'll say, this word, this meaning word is actually what? Rama. So you fight the devil with that special revelation that the Holy Spirit will give you of a rhema. And that's your sword. That's your sword. That's your sword. If you can't hear a rhema, oh man, what am I going to fight with? What am I going to fight with? Do you understand the pressure? Okay. So Romans 10.17 says, 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God and that word again is Rema. So if you don't have the special revelation of the word, they will tell you you can't have faith properly, you can't build up your faith. You've got to try and hear the, the Lord, otherwise you can't build your faith up. And then, if you don't have the Rema, you don't have a sword. So you're in big trouble because you're all decked up like a soldier but you don't have a sword. Why? Because you don't have a Rema. You don't have... Do you understand how much of bondage is being put on you? Do you understand the pressure that's being put on you? All because some dude somewhere has read half a Greek testament and tried to make everyone believe that Rema and Logos are two different words just because he's got white hair and a white safari suit. Nobody's got any right to twist the Bible. Nobody. That's the problem. We still feel that Rema and Logos are two different things. So, I'm going to show you another word. John chapter 1 verse 1. And this is the final thing. They'll take these three verses and try to prove their point. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word. What's the meaning of the word? Word in Greek, they'll say, Logos. And the word was with God. What's the meaning of the word in Greek? Logos. And the word was God. What's the meaning of the word in Greek? Logos. So this Logos is basically Jesus and the written word of God. The whole counsel of God made flesh. That is what Logos is. Rema is the spoken word. So that's another thing. Rema is the spirit of God revealing a word to you and then you speaking it. That's your Rema. That's your Rema. You've got the Rema. What's the Rema for this situation? What's the Rema for that situation? What's the Rema for this situation? If you don't have a Rema for this situation, how do you think you're fighting? You've got to get the Rema. If you get the Rema, you can fight. If you don't have the Rema, you can't fight. The Rema, the Rema, the Rema, the Rema, the Rema, the Rema, the Rema. Okay. So finally, I want to read out to you the official Greek definition of the word rema and i want you to listen carefully okay are you willing to listen okay official greek definition of rema that which is or has been uttered by a living voice thing spoken a word any sound pro- produced by a voice having a definite meaning a speech a discourse words saying what one has said Words joined together into a sentence, command, doctrines, instructions, the subject matter of a speech. That's the word rema. And I want you to listen to the Greek definition of logos. Something said, including the thought, topic of a speech, subject of discourse, reasoning, motive, Computation, speech, discourse, command, instruction. Now I want you to tell me what's the difference between the two definitions I just read. What is the difference between the two definitions I just read? Is there any difference? I'll read it again. Listen carefully. That which is sound, that which is uttered by a living voice, a thing spoken, a word, a speech, a discourse, words, sayings, what one has said, a series of words joined together into a sentence, command, doctrine, instruction, the subject matter of a speech. That's Rema. 
I want you to listen to what Noah says. Something that which is said, including the thought behind what is said, the topic of a speech, the subject of discourse, the reasoning, motive, computation, speech, words, sentence, discourse. What's the difference between the two that I just said? Is there any difference? They're both the same. Okay, so then Rama and Logos is the same. Rama and Logos is the same. So, somebody says, is this the Rema or the Logos that you're preaching? Yes. No, but is this the Rema or the Logos? Yes. See, we've got, to, we've got to understand that Satan's out to cheat me and cheat you. There's practically, absolutely no difference between Rema and Logos. And the thing that is being preached today is this. You don't have to obey all scripture. You just have to obey that scripture which the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind. And that special revelation that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind is called Rama, a leading, an impartation. And before, and, um, before starting any endeavor, before taking any action, you need a Rama to start. That is what you've been taught. And that is utter rubbish. Because there's practically no difference between Rema and Logos. Practically no difference. And so they'll say, look at Ephesians 6.17. Doesn't it say take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Rema of God? What about that? How can we fight the devil with the whole Bible? But that's how Jesus fought him, right? That's how Jesus fought him, right? Okay. I agree you need individual scriptures that you can really fight for that particular situation. Because if Satan is trying to bring a thought of lust, you say, listen, even a thought of lust amounts to adultery. Now that's a verse that has, Satan has brought to your remembrance. But how on earth is Satan going to bring, Satan's spirit going to bring anything to remembrance until and unless you have been storing something here. How on earth is the Spirit of God going to bring anything to your remembrance until you've been storing something here? That's why he says that the Spirit of God will bring to your remembrance, right? The words that I've spoken. You've got to take in the undiluted scriptures, the undiluted, unbiased word of God and bring them in there so that he could bring to your remembrance. Like, how many of you remember the definition of supercalifilistic expialidocious? Does anybody remember the definition of it? Why? Because you've not taken it in, right? You've not taken it in. What you've not input can't be brought to your remembrance. But I've been listening to pastors, I've been listening to preachers. Yes, and you've been listening to their version of the word. But the Spirit of God brings to mind the pure Word of God. Not what people preach, which can be quite obscure, and quite distorted. Listen, what does Psalms 119 verse 98 say? Psalms 119 verse 98. 
you through your commandments what's the commandments the the word right you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies for they the word is ever with me that means the guy who wrote Psalm 119 says listen you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies for they are ever with me which means the more the psalmist is really trying to say that these commands the word of God was always with him always with him and because he kept keeping it with him he didn't mean that the Bible was always with him what he means is that he was taking it in constantly 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 and because this was being input constantly 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 he became wiser than the enemies listen you can be wiser than Satan if you do the word of God if you put in to your heart and mind the word of God I wanted you also turn to Psalms 19 verse 15 verse 15 I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not. I will not. Oh. I will not forget your word. How are you not going to forget your word until his word until you study his word? If you don't study his word, you won't for, you, you won't be in a place to say I will not forget your word, right? That's the whole deal. I will delight in your statutes, he says, right? That means, do we delight in his word? I delight in his word. Do we meditate on his precepts? To meditate here in Hebrew means to talk to oneself, to muse about, to keep telling oneself and thinking about. I will contemplate your ways. I just think about your word the whole time. That's what we're supposed to be doing. When I do that, I become wiser than my enemies. Okay, now, I want you to turn to Mark 4.14, the parable of the sword and the seed. Now, we all know the parable of the sword and the seed, right? Okay, what, the, what they are teaching and preaching is that Rema is a special word from the Bible that is revealed to you by the Holy Spirit that becomes a reality for you in that situation. And Logos... It's the whole word. That's what they've been teaching, right? Right? Yes or no? Okay, that means that when Jesus says the parable of the sower and the seed, that word for word which he says there, the, the sower sows the word. He gives the explanation of the sower and the seed and says the seed is the word. And so if the seed is the word... If you know the parable, you will understand that when the word is spoken, some people speak the word. I mean, some people take in the word. If they take in and, under, and they don't understand it, so Satan snatches it away. Some people take in the word and understand it, but they have no depth in themselves. So when they suffer persecution, the word, I mean, does not bear fruit. Some people take in the word, but the cares of this world chokes the word. And then some people take in the word, understand it, work at it, and then bear fruit, right? This is what the sower and the seed is all about, an explanation of the sower and the seed. By the teaching that is going out on TVs nowadays, what should be the Greek word for the word word in this parable? 
based on the teaching that is being taught i told you what should be what should be based on the teaching that is being taught nowadays what should be the greek word for word of god rema or logos rema right it should be rema because rema means a special word that is given to you and that's what they preach right the word the rema preached to you you've got to take it in you've got to understand it you've got to take it in you've got to work at it that special revealed word that has been given to you right but guess what if you look at the greek of what i just read mark 4 14 onwards that word word of god is not rema it's the word logos now that just throws that whole teaching out of the window completely out of the window let me give you another one mark 16:20 and when they went out and preached everywhere the lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs right now at least here it should be rema but even here you know what it is logos Now let's move on. Luke 11 28. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear 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 the word of God and keep it or rather do it. Now at least yeah, it should be rema. Guess what the word Jesus uses? Logos. He uses the word logos here also. Hmm, interesting. Let's turn to James chapter 1 verse 22. In fact, go to 21. Because this is what being preached, right? That word, that rema has to be implanted into your hearts. It has to be implanted into your hearts, right? That's what I say. Listen to this, James 1:21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls the specially revealed word for you take it in receive it with no wickedness that's what we've been taught look at verse 22 but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself be doers of the word not hearers so at least here it should be rema because he says be doers of the word but you know what the word used here is logos is james is saying you got to do the bible not wait for a random voice to speak to us but do the bible interesting oh there was a bible there there was the whole old testament now this james 122 just throws the whole rema word teaching out of the window you know why because you take romans 8:14 and they say okay fine don't do anything without being led by the spirit so even don't go to preach the gospel don't go to heal don't go to do anything unless the spirit is leading you to do and then james 1:22 is saying do the logos do the word and uh, we've been taught that you do the word only when we receive a rema James 122 is contradicting Romans 8:14 or what is being taught is wrong because Romans 8:14 says led by the spirit of god 
James 1.22 says, do the word. When you do the word, you're led by the Spirit of God. So let's assume Raul used to say, he said, you want to know the will of God for your life? Read the word of God. You want to do the will of God for your life? Do the word of God. That's what you're called to do. That's what you're called to do. See, listen, again, as, 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 as I was telling you, if, um, if Romans 8.14 meant that we are supposed to be led by the Spirit of God for everything, in the sense of that we should not do anything that the Word commanded us unless the Spirit of God reveals to us at that moment, that means that a Christian should not be able to um, exercise all the benefits that we got when Jesus died on the cross, Or, um, we should not obey any and every scripture. But if that was the case, the New Testament would always say, give to whoever asks of you if the Spirit leads you. Love your enemies if the Spirit leads you. Heal the sick if the Spirit leads you. Preach the gospel if the Spirit leads you. That's not true. That's not true because James 1.22 says, do the word, be doers of 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 the word. Right? And then finally the masterpiece that Jesus gives. In Matthew 7, he says, there is a wise man and a foolish man. A wise man builds his house on the rock. A foolish man builds his house on the sand. The wise man who builds his house on the rock is like the person who hears the word of God and... And the foolish man who builds his rock on the sand is the one who hears the word of God and does not do it. Do you know what the word in Greek for that word is in Matthew 7 in this parable of the wise man and foolish man? It is Logos. So whether you get a special revelation or a special leading or not, if you don't do the whole Bible, you're a foolish man. So there's foolish pastors and foolish preachers teaching all of us to be foolish. To try and wait for a special leading when the word of God is all... Listen, do you know how much is there here for us to do? And we are still waiting for a special leading to do something? We're still waiting for a great awakening. That's the song that we sang today, right? There's going to be a great awakening. That's always going to be a great awakening. And we will always sing there is going to be a great awakening. You know why? Because we're waiting for the Rema. But the Logos says the awakening is in you. You bring about the great awakening. It's in your hands. It's in what you do. It's in your hands. Listen, if you are a Christian, you already have a ministry. According to 2 Corinthians 5, right? You've got a ministry of reconciliation. Which means your job is to reconcile the world to God. Not by giving them a sinner's prayer, please. That's not going to do the job in any way. You've got to lead them to repentance. But do you know what the word of God says? 
It's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. So you've got to show them the goodness of God. That's a spiritual principle. It's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. You give them the goodness by setting them free. You set them free. You reconcile them to God. You beg them to turn to God. You beg them to repent of their sin and turn to God. As a Christian, there's never a time that you should ever ask, Lord, what, what work should I be doing for you? We've been taught to ask that, right? Because the body has many parts. Each part has got its own role. Ask the Lord what role you fit in. But you already have a role. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. You've got to reconcile the world, the world to God. Which ministry should I work for? The ministry of reconciliation. As a Christian, you've got to understand that 2 Corinthians 6 1 says that you are workers together with Him. Do you know what it means to be workers together with God? You are workers together with God. 1 Corinthians 3 9 says that you are God's fellow workers. God's fellow workers. A fellow worker does not have more authority. You've got as much authority as God has. That's why you say, in the name of Jesus. You've got got to get over this special revelation business. Does it mean that God will never give us a special revelation about anything? No, He will. He can, he will. Because if you give a prophecy to somebody, that's basically a special revelation for that person. When you give a word of knowledge to somebody, that is a special revelation for that person. But if you're waiting to make a move in your life, and waiting for a special revelation to come forth, to make that move in your life, when the word is already commanding you to do so much, then you're basically being foolish. As you keep doing what the word says, the special revelations will come through. Listen. The reason we started this series of talks starting from today, and please, if you can just make it every Sunday, because I want to do these, these series starting today. Today is the first part of it. It's called How to Hear the Voice of God. And if you cannot make it, make sure you got, get the recording with you of the Sunday. Um, listen, if <sighs> I've seen one of the most important issues here is many people from here are not prophesying. And I understand what the problem is. You're waiting for a revelation of prophecy. Right? You're waiting for a revelation of prophecy. And it's the same problem when you go to somebody and somebody says, pray for me. You know what the first question is? What problem do you have? But sometimes there's no problem. So what do you do? Prophesy over that person. But how do I prophesy? 
not received a prophecy. Well, if I, if I speak what the word promises needs to be over a person's life, and if I speak it over somebody's life, am I not prophesying? As I keep speaking what the written word says over somebody else's life, am I not prophesying? And as I keep doing that, I will get special revelation. But don't you look for special revelation without doing the written word. Because what you're going to get is a distorted voice. You're probably going to hear a demon from hell rather than the Spirit of God. It's dangerous. I'm not saying it cannot happen. I'm not saying the Spirit of God cannot lead you at all if you're not doing the word. No, no, I'm not saying that. Because the Lord has got special reasons for special purposes all the time. I know that. I mean, I was led to the faith because of a special revelation when I was not even doing one thing from here. But, it's dangerous if I keep living that way. Because how do I know what the Lord is like if I'm not doing what He says? If, if I do this, I'm doing His word. If I do this, I understand what He is like. I know what He is like. I'm renewing my mind. If I do this, I'm renewing my mind to what God really sounds like. And then, then, when God speaks to me, it's not going to be a confusion because it's going to be in complete perfect line with scripture. Listen, the Spirit of God will never, can you say never? The Spirit of God will never tell me to do something that the Word says not to do. For us to learn how to hear the voice of God, we've got to hear the voice of God. No doubt about it. We've got to hear the voice of God. But, we've got to be able to do this also. My, my point is, don't wait for a special leading for that first move. When you know the word of God says, make that first move. You understand? The word of God says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So, don't wait, Lord, should I start fighting the devil now or not? Is this the opportune time? Is this? The word has already commanded you to do it. Do it. Then, whatever is a special revelation will be revealed to you. So then, what should I be doing? Just get this idea straight. God trusts you to govern your life. God trusts you to govern your life. The reason the whole Bible is about doing something and not doing something and doing something and not doing something is so that you can be given a safety net of how to govern your life. But quit trying to feel like God is going to control you. Oh, 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 he's going to make this messy life of mine clean if I just follow his leading. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. Do you remember the prophecy that we got today? Open your mouth and I will fill it. Whose prerogative it is to open your mouth? Did God say, I will force your mouth open and then I will fill it? 
That's called force feeding. He says, you open your mouth and I will fill it. Right? He says, you go lay your hands on the sick and they will be healed. You're asked to lay your hands. The guarantee he gives is healing. You're asked to prophesy. You're asked to set the captives free. Let's, let's change our perspective to doing what's right. Let's change our perspective to doing it right. Correct? Yes, have you understood anything? Yeah. Yes, this is what the truth is. And for that reason, it's very important that we stop listening to people who are not going to preach according to the truth. Somebody asked me the other day, told I think yesterday, um, told the name of some famous prophet and said, what about prophet so-and-so? Yeah, I, I don't know, I said. I'm not sure. But he is doing so many things. So what? He's doing so many things. He's working so many miracles. He's working so many healings. So what? Is that a standard for us to decide who is more better than somebody else? Not at all. And these are the guys who will cheat you of your inheritance and what God has already given to you. Don't listen to them. Listen to the word. The word is clear of what you already have. The word says you are a son. The word says that you always win. The word says that God will cause his knowledge to be known through you. The word says whatever you ask you will receive. The word says when you speak it, it will happen. The word says when you speak to the mountain and say to move into the sea, it will move. The word says it. The word says you will lay your hands to the sick and the sick will recover. That's the promise of the word. The word says every promise of God is a yes in Christ. The word says give to whoever asks of you. Why would the word say give to whoever asks of you? Why? Listen, why would he say heal the sick? Because he's given you and equipped you with everything to be able to fulfill the command of healing the sick. Why would he say give to whoever asks of you? Because he's given you enough to give. He's your provider. <coughs> Why would he say love your enemy? Because he's given you love that can love your enemies. Why would he say do not lie? Because you have the capacity not to lie. Why would he say do not, do not commit adultery? Why would he say do not have a thought of lust? Because you have the capacity to win over lust. Why would he say these things? Because you've been given it. You've been equipped with everything that you need. So quit grumbling and crying and complaining about your desperate situation and about your life that is such a mess and stand up and do something about it. Because if you want crying shoulders to cry on, God is not going to be that shoulder. Because when you have find a shoulder to cry on and tell all your woes, you don't really come out of your woes. You don't really come out of your trouble. 
If you want to come out of your mess and trouble, you've got to do something about it. If you want to come out of your fears, you've got to do something about it. You've got to understand that you're free and you're walking in complete freedom. If you want to serve the Lord, if you want to do what the Lord wants you to do, but please don't wait for a leading. Because the leading has already come. It's called the Bible. If there was no Bible, then you could have waited for a leading. The Word of God says, be doers of the Word. The Word is already there. Be doers of it. If you need to be able to hear the voice of God and prophesy, you've got to do it. But first, you've got to be doers of the Word. You've got, it's got to happen side by side. Others, you'll hear nonsense. But don't you find excuses for your silly. Don't give if you don't want to. It's in your hands. But don't find excuses for your silly stinginess and blame it on the Lord said so. Because it's disgusting. And it's not fitting for a saint to behave that way. It's not fitting for a son to behave that way. I'm not sure whether the Lord wants me to get married to a so-and-so person or not. Can you please check with the Lord? Yes, I will check with the Lord. I will check with the Lord. But I will also look at the facts. Right? And so, I still remember when there was a guy who came up to me and, and he said, you know, there's this person that I really like and I want to get married to this person. I'm not sure whether this is from the Lord or not. And I said, okay, fine, let's put out the facts. And I told him, I said, see, let's put out the facts and say, okay, this, 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 this. You tell me. You tell me. Does this person love the Lord? Yes, 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 she loves the Lord. Are you absolutely sure? Yes, I know she loves the Lord because I speak so many things to her about the Lord and I know she hears and I know she loves the Lord. Okay. But are you willing to live with her? Is she the same thinking as you? Can she understand you and you understand her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. I said, okay. I'm a bit not sure about this, okay? But have you prayed and asked the Lord? Yes. But I just told you where you asked the Lord. Now, is this you or is this the Lord? Yes. No, no, no. What I'm asking you is, have you said this or is the Lord saying this? Yes. Because he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. And I am asked to ask to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my emotion and all my feeling. Yes, but also with all my mind. And he has given me wisdom. He has made Christ to be wisdom to us. And so we've got to see, okay, fine, marriage is, but the Lord won't bless our marriage. Who says so? The fact that you decide to get married to whoever you want to get married, God blesses that marriage. But whether it will work or not, all depends on whether you've made a wise choice. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, listen, 
I can't trust my own intelligence. I've got to trust the Lord. So tell me. Tell me what the Lord is saying. So listen, wait a minute. The Lord speaks how? From within you. Okay. So from within your spirit to your soul to your mouth. That's how the Lord speaks? Great. Your soul is in between. But you don't trust your soul. That's why I'm asking you to pray, no? Oh, so you don't trust your soul, but you trust my soul. Yeah, you're a pastor, right? I said, okay. Now, first of all, that's a lot of pressure. So I'm telling you up front, I said. If you ask me, there's too much, there's going to be too much confusion between the both of you because you're not, you're not both. Listen, somebody can have passion from the Lord, another person can have passion from the Lord, but if you don't have the same kind of thinking, and if you don't think right, if you don't think alike, then that person is going to pull you down instead of bring you up, push you up. Do you understand? Listen, our life partners can be like elevators. Either pull you down or pull you up. You've got to choose the right one so that you can be pulled up, not pulled down all the time. Right? Not... If you already have a life partner, don't worry. Because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. So it's not about what has happened. I'm talking to people who are still not yet married and are looking forward to it. Okay, So, the whole deal is, look at it. And so I said, see, logically speaking, you're not thinking right. You, you, you're not thinking alike. You, you can't be a team. Marriage is about a team. You, you can't be a team because she's on one side, you're on the other. Okay, both have a passion from the Lord. Both have liked the Lord. But sh- something else that is not gel. She, she's, her way of thinking is different. Your way of thinking is it's not going to work. I don't know. You play this carefully. I'm not forcing you, I said. Yeah, but you're the pastor. I have to listen. I said, no, 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 no. no. Don't, go, don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. Because if you remain a bachelor all your life, you're going to blame it on the pastor. Or if you have got a divorce down the line, you blame it on the pastor. So you take your choice. This is my suggestion. This may not work. You see, I said. You pray and see. I said, okay. He said, okay. Fair enough. Three months down the line, he called me up and says, you know what, this is not working. I said, I told you. But how did you know that the Lord revealed to you? I said, yes. And he also gave me a head to look at the facts and see and say, this does not match. You, you, we, we've, got to, we've got to understand, yes, the Lord will reveal to us, but he will not go beyond what the word says. The word says that the husband and wife are supposed to be a team. The word says, the word says husbands, love your brides like Christ loved his bride, the church. The word says, wives, be submissive to your husband. Now listen, if you've got to be able to love your wives like Christ loved the bride, the church, and you've got to be able to be submissive to somebody, you better choose the right guy or the right girl. Because you'll either be submissive to a buffoon all your life, or you'll be loving somebody that you can't really do anything about. And once you're in covenant, you're in covenant. If you break it, you're a covenant breaker. We need to hear the voice of the Lord. We need to hear right, man. 
Listen, you remember that verse which says, um, for where, for where, that's in James, right? Evil and self-seeking exist every sort of, right? James chapter 3, if I'm not mistaken. For where envy, James chapter 3, 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So where there is confusion and every evil thing, there's most likely what? Envy or self-seeking, right? Do you know John 3.16? What does John 3.16 say? Okay, so God, when you've got eternal life, you've got what? Peace? No confusion? Okay, so John 3.16 and James 3.16 is talking about the same thing. John 3.16 is talking about how God is not self-seeking. James 3.16 is talking about how you are not supposed to be self-seeking. John 3.16 is talking about how you get peace. James 3.16 is talking about how you don't get peace. John 3.16 is talking about how you have order in your life because you receive eternal life if you believe in Him. James 3.16 is talking about how there's all sorts of confusion. John 3.16 is talking about faith. James 3.16 is talking about confusion and faithlessness and wickedness. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are. Do you believe this? Because it's written in the word, right? Now, think about it. So if somebody is envious and always self-seeking, what is going to be there? So what is going to happen to somebody who is envious and self-seeking and trying to listen to the voice of the living God? Confusion and every evil thing. I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard people tell me, you know what, the Lord told me to go, to go and do so-and-so work. Uh, the Lord told me to go and go into so-and-so missions. Uh, the, Lord, the, the Lord told me to go into, uh, into, into ministry work, into full-time ministry work. You know, the Lord has given me a vision. He said, go and do ministry work. I'm going to use you. You fool, you had to wait for the Lord to tell you that? He's told you that in the Bible a long time back. Right? Yeah, but how do I know whether I'm called for full-time ministry or not called for full-time ministry? Because if I'm not called for full-time ministry and I go into full-time ministry, my ministry won't be blessed. But if I'm called for full-time ministry, I'm going to be blessed. Didn't you hear that he blesses the labor of your hand? And he will bless the work of your hands? So whatever you do, he blesses you. Yeah, but if I go into full-time ministry, and uh, the Lord doesn't want me to go into full-time ministry. First of all, why on earth will the Lord not want you to go into full-time ministry? Okay. But uh, if the Lord doesn't tell me to go into full-time ministry and I go into full-time ministry, what if I run out of money? Who's going to provide my income? Now, wait a minute. That means if you're not into full-time ministry, God's not at Jehovah Jireh?
because you, you, you've got to understand something right. Inflation is just going to go on increasing, okay? It's not going to decrease. Rates are going to go on increasing. What costs 20 rupees, uh, what costs 20 rupees like 10 years back costs 200 rupees probably now. Is this going to go on increasing? 2000 is the new 1000, uh, 500 is the new 10 rupee, and 100 is the new 50 paise. And it just goes on and 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 on. You've got to have a bank or own a, uh, own a Swiss bank account to be able to live in the society. Or you've got to have a lender who is willing to give you free of cost. I've got mine. He's called Jehovah Chaira. So he's anyways providing for you. Yeah, so then who decides whether somebody can go into full-time ministry or not? You. Yeah, but what if God's blessing is not there? His blessing is there on you because you're a son. But that means if I'm not going to full-time ministry, I'm not blessed. Who says so? That means if I'm taking up a job, I'm not blessed. Who says so? Yeah, but shouldn't I really be doing the work of the Lord rather than waste my time doing the job? Yes! But then, what about money? What about it? But that means you're telling everybody to, to leave their jobs. No! It's in your hands. That means God is not going to listen to my prayer if I leave my job. If I don't leave my job, I never said that. I never said that. Never ever said that. This sort of Rama Lokas teaching basically promotes something called the fear of evil. Basically, that's what it comes down to. Right? It promotes something called the fear of evil. And to people like this, I've just got one question. There's somebody in a temple that's dying. Would you go to heal or not? What about the demon in the temple? You see, we've got to get this my idea right that we are not we are not Satan's research lab for him to jump on us every time. We are sons. He's got to flee. Where we go, he flees. Unless you don't believe that. Because if you don't believe that and still say it, then it will happen according to what you believe. I've seen a lot of people come up to me, listen, I know I believe that, but listen, I went there and this happened. I don't know how that is. It's because you really didn't believe. What you believe matters. And there's lots and lots of stories of this whole Rema Logos thing, but this should come kind of summarize the whole issue that we're dealing with. There's, there's, been, there's, been, there's been people who've not got married to the right person because they've not got a leading. There's been people who've got married to the wrong person because they've got a leading. There have been divorces that have happened because they've got a leading. There have been no divorces that should have happened because they've got a leading. Uh, th there have been all sorts of nonsense that has happened. Because of leading, 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 leading for something that God has already... People have died because of this. Do you get it? So stop waiting for a leading for God, what God has already led you for.